everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey everybody, it is Brian Nemhauser, and uh, this is episode 50, 50 of Real Hawk Talk, and it's going to be an awesome and special episode, not just because we have the normal crew here, but we've got a special guest, um, and he's going to be with us uh, for the whole show, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, before I get to that special guest, we'll introduce our, our normal crew. Um, and uh, first, uh, Real Jeff Simmons, uh, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. What's Jeff, up? How you doing, dude? I'm good, man. Episode 50. I know. I know. I, I wish I could say I could remember episode one, but I really can't even remember like episode 45. So um, Crazy, man. That's just being old. And your, your internet connection seems solid, so weather's good in Toronto. Yeah, it seems all right. It seems okay, all right. good. Good. And then I think I just saw someone fly through the screen with horrible pizza. Uh, that would be Evan Hill having, is that Domino's, dude? Wait, I thought you said you liked Domino's. <laughs> ah, Domino's is the worst. It's so whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. You told me it was your favorite pizza. No, you're, you're, you're remembering somebody else, dude. Domino's. <laughs> Yeah, I won't get into it. I won't get into their outside pizza issues that I don't like about Domino's. But then there's take on Pizza Hut, Brian. Pizza Hut's good. Pizza You're bad. Solid. Shut down the podcast. Game over. Stuffed crust, barbecue chicken is solid at Pizza Hut. So don't know what to tell you, um, Evan. Where are you, dude? You don't look like you're home. I am in. Twin Falls, Idaho, a location I have never been. I just finished driving about 10 hours. I am dropping off my car uh, at my new place in Arizona. And I am so committed to the podcast that I walked into the apartment, or not to the apartment, the hotel door 30 minutes ago, and here I am. Appreciate it, dude. And uh, glad to know you guys are making progress. Um, now, as excited as I am to have both Jeff and Evan on the show, and Evan making a special sacrifice for us tonight. Um, I have to admit, I'm a little bit more excited about the next guy I'm going to introduce. Um, most of you know him as Cable Thanos, um, and uh, we have gotten to know him as Josh. Uh, Josh, it is uh, wonderful to add, uh, have you on. Um, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. This is like a this is like being on your like favorite TV show. I've watched this uh, podcast like every week for so long, 
and now I'm like on it. It's like it's surreal. It's like it's like my dream come true. <laughs> oh, dude, we gotta we gotta work on uh, up in your dreams a little bit. Uh, although, very appreciated, uh, humbled by that. Um, so, for vo- folks that have not uh, followed you or followed your your meteoric rise, um, tell us about like how this got started for you. Like, when was the first video you posted? So, um, trying to remember. So, I posted a. I've always been just posting stupid stuff for a while just whatever comes across my mind and i posted a video of a compilation of of tom cable offensive line mishaps or i guess you could say just day-to-day average plays and uh it was played to a drake song and then it uh transitioned to the mike solari era and this is kind of how my whole like i guess you could say my persona is the whole Tom Cable, Mike Solari kind of uh, the whole transition there. But uh, I played it to a Drake song and that kind of got more attention than I expected because I only had like 500 followers when I posted that. And and then I just kept posting more videos and then I made a video after the Lions video and then included you guys actually because I was watching you guys and you guys, especially Evan, would make very definitive statements. So it was perfect for the um, <laughs> the video. And then it got like a thousand uh, likes or something like that. I was like, wow, like I didn't even think it was that good. I just posted it because I thought it was like funny and then it just got crazy attention. So I just made the next one. And then like people like Mina Kimes were like uh, getting, drawing in attention for it and stuff like people with like 250,000 followers are retweeting. I was like, like what is going on? And then and then as people saw the the latest one, Russell Wilson retweeted it, quote tweeted it, which is even crazier, um, especially because his like timeline is so pristine. It's like so calculated and there's nothing even close to controversial on there. And he quote tweeted it and it was like, I read that and I had to like check his profile like eight times to see if it was actually him. And then, um, and I was just like reacting. I was just like, I, I reacted and he kept replying to me. And then, of course, he asked me to uh, make another video. So I had a 8 a.m. final the next day, a math final, which I wasn't ready for at all. I hadn't studied all day, and it was like 8 p.m. when he sent me that. So I stayed up all night doing the final and doing the video, and then I finally got it uploaded. I did the final and then finally uploaded around 3, and then when he got off practice, he sent me that video inviting him over to play like Smash Bros with him. And... Yeah, the rest is history. I called his uh, I called his uh, his brand guys on Monday, and they talked me through about what's going to go on. And they said that uh, they said that they can't have time to play during the season because obviously he's only free on Tuesdays, and that's when he does like the uh, hospital visits and stuff like that. But uh, after the season's over, which is hopefully in a while, we're going to do it like as soon as possible. That's a crazy story. I know. Dude, I, I, I still don't even think it's real. I, I have to tell you, like, so I, I've got a 17-year-old who's pretty much almost your age. And uh, I asked him, had you seen any of these cable Thanos videos? And this is back after you did the one that had us in it. And he's like, yeah, it was really cool. All my friends liked it, except for the part when you guys were in it. And it totally <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> you guys need to make more definitive, like, uh, ESPN first take statements so that I could throw it in there. Because that adds, like, that makes it feel much more emotional and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Can you help us there? Yeah, exactly. But I have to remain authentic. 
<laughs> yeah. Jeff, were you going to ask a question? Uh, I can jump in. Um, what's been your favorite video so far? My favorite? Um, yeah. You've made a couple most, home runs most, there. Most popular one was the uh, the one with Colin Cowherd at the beginning. So I think that one was my favorite. <laughs> Everyone's still like, I'll still randomly get people quote tweeting that. Um, yeah, I think that one was probably my favorite. I, I want to put you guys in more of them because it's just like, it keeps it like true to Seahawks Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've all marveled at uh, is you've got a remarkable grasp of like the pulse of Seahawks Twitter <laughs> and and you mix that with like the national perspective and all that kind of stuff. What when did you get on Seahawks Twitter? Like, do you remember even like what um, got you here and, and, and yeah. you started? I know exactly why I got. So I. um I used to go on Reddit all the time, which is a stupid thing. Don't do that. If you are thinking of doing that, don't do that. Because it's just, they, they seem like they know a lot more than they do. And then um, as the more I went on Reddit, the more I realized it was like not good. And I realized most of their posts are posts from Twitter. And I made a Twitter account. I did it to like just post the pictures because I like graphic design. So I'd like make pictures. And then I'd start following more and more people. And I realized it was just like it's a million a million times better than reddit um <laughs> so <clears throat> what was your first like interaction with with like someone on twitter that you you started to get to know like did you do you, like i'm curious both like when you started getting into twitter and then i'm also curious like when you found evan when i um ah, i can't even remember evan was like one of the first people i followed Oh my I was like God. one of those people that explains who... so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's like influenced me. I've like grown up with him. Um, I... yeah, Everybody that's... on should know that Evan and Josh are the same age. But go yeah. on, continue. Yeah. Although we're at very different points in our life. <laughs> he just got married, and I'm very far away from that. Congratulations to you both, to be honest. Me too. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. I'm still very far away from that. <laughs> so how did you become a Seahawks fan? Um, my earliest memory as a Seahawks fan is the Super Bowl XL when I was like super – I don't even know how young I was. Probably 10. Yeah, probably oh, around right. 10. Oh, I feel old. <laughs> uh, and I remember Marcus Trufant getting that interception. I was probably a Seahawks fan before that, but that's like my first memory. And ever since then, I've, like, every single game. I don't think I've missed a game since, like, like in the last 10 years, I haven't missed a game. And, um, yeah, it's just I don't know why, but I just got super into them. Like, my dad and my mom aren't super into them. No one in my family is into them. That probably what drew me to Twitter because no one in my family even likes the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, how, does your family have any – concept of what's going on with you and the content you're creating yeah my dad i just told him for the first time like a few days ago about the russell wilson video and he was like what like because it was just like i didn't even tell him about my twitter account so he's like wait what like he didn't even think it was real at first and then my mom uh she immediately started crying <laughs> like right away and i was like uh it was like the two opposite reactions you'd get um but yeah, all my friends, two of my friends are actually probably watching this right now. Um, but yeah, they're like, they're freaking out as just as much as I am. 
but yeah it's insane i still it's hard to like grasp it being real what's it like to live in your mind <laughs> I've heard that like app a lot. Uh, I don't know. A lot of shoddy videos. Yeah. No, but like seriously, you're, you 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 obviously have a level of creativity that like ninety nine percent of people do not have, and I think that's what you know makes your content so special. It's uh, it's just really cool to watch you create. Honestly, thank you. Appreciate that a lot. Um. Yeah. Where like. Tell, can you walk us through like so so Seahawks win, you tend to do them only after wins, right? Is that is that correct? Uh yeah. I don't so, want to make it after a loss because yeah, like, I don't I even know that. what to make. Good motivation for the team. Yeah. yeah, right. Russell, I should tell Russell, you're not getting a video until you win. Yeah. They they actually, to be honest, I'm gonna get to my question in a second, but at the VMAC, I heard from the uh I think his name is Corky, but they're 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 like photographer. They actually have a victory mural. And the uh -huh. photographers get together the night after a win and they stay up all night um, looking at like pictures from the most from the game. And by Monday morning at like five in the morning, when all the team walks in, there's an entire mural on a wall really? back of pictures from the night, the, the game uh, the night before. Um, and it stays up until they win again. So if they lose a couple of oh, games, wow. they get a little annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> mural from a the few old weeks picture. ago. <laughs> So you're kind of in the same boat, but yeah. Um, walk us through like, okay, Seahawks win happens on a Sunday. Like, what start? How do you start thinking about what you're going to create, and and how does it go from from uh, idea to to actual uh, video? So like the 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 video of uh, hold on the video of Brian Schottenheimer. Can you hear me? Yeah. Video of Brian Schottenheimer dunking on a on a Russell Wilson hoop that was made before the game even start or finished. Cause it's kind of like a it's obvious, like something that's like uh, a, like a trope of the Seahawks season. So it wouldn't like matter how the game ends stuff like that, where it takes a while to make kind of makes before, but everything else that had like the clips of the team kind of like, what do you expect? Uh, gets made right. Like the Sunday night. And then uh, if I have homework, I usually try and, uh, do it, it, both of them at once, which usually doesn't work. But um, and then I'll spend, I'll have class Monday, and then I'll come home and start working on it. And yeah, I don't really tell anyone about it too, so I'm usually just chilling in my house, just working on it. But yeah, I do it all on iMovie, which is horrible decision. It's just it's like so bad. I need Here, to you know I can hook you up with Premiere Pro anytime you need it. So <laughs> I might have to take that on. Yeah. Um, so do you have like aspirations for this to turn into like, I mean, has, has anyone offered you a job already? Um, I got a job offer for like a, I can't even remember what it was. It was like a, like a D five hockey team to be their videographer. <laughs> so I was like, okay. um, I'll consider it, but, um, no, yeah. <laughs> no, dude, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to get you, uh, before the big boys really <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm surprised the Seahawks haven't offered you something yet. Yeah, their their uh their Twitter account keeps con uh, like interacting with me, so it's like they're trying to make a like a. They're, they're, I'm like friends with them, I guess, but um, uh, I guess I'm trying to steal their job too. So, but uh, um, yeah, I, I hopefully I'm when I go to meet Russell, I'm gonna like try and sneak in like, hey, if you if you have anything you want me to like work for the Seahawks, just let me know. Like, I'd love to work for you guys or something like that. Or even his uh, West to East Empire team, which is where I'm going. They're like business offices. 
I'm going to ask them, just like slide it in. I'm not going to try and make it like a big deal, but yeah. It's a good they, idea. They might not fit your brand. Say what? They might not fit your brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the. You don't the want to limit your creativity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you like if everything went the way you wanted to, like, do you have an idea of, of kind of what you want to do with, with, uh, you know, what, what you're learning and what you're creating? I don't know. I, all I know is I want to like make stuff cause I, I like being creative. That's why I made the videos in the first place. So, um, no, nah, I don't have an idea where I didn't even know that these videos were going to catch on at all. Like I thought I was going to like, I was doing it for like 20 people in mind on Seahawks Twitter who would get it in the first place. And, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, just like it, Brian, you weren't even following me when I first started making these videos. They weren't uh -huh. even more like big time people like you. And, uh, <laughs> now I just can't even believe how far it's come. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. Um, and I mean, you got lightning in a bottle. You've got an amazing eye for, for kind of what's going on. Um, and it's not just Seahawks Twitter. I think your, your perspective would, would probably be applicable to a lot of different things going on. So uh, we'll talk more with you about it. I think it'll be fun to watch your uh, your rise continue, but I think you're going to be able to work for any social media brand uh, that has any any smarts. So uh, if I was you, I'd be starting to think about where you want to work and then show them your, your results. And I think yeah. you'll get a lot of offers pretty fast. Thank you. I got um, that Russell Wilson co-sign, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a little bit of cred. Uh, <laughs> the, resume. the street level and at the uh, superstar level. So. You think yeah. Russell can be a reference on your resume? I, I'm going to like print out a picture of Russell's tweet <laughs> and put it on there and just see what Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I mean, you've got to have had millions of, of video views by now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like the, the video, the most recent one is at like 800,000 impressions, which is insane. Like, damn. I can't it's amazing. Believe. It's amazing. Congrats, dude. It's it's, it's really fun to see. So, um, I don't know, Evan and Jeff, if you got any more questions for 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 Cable Thanos on uh, his Cable Thanos mess, <laughs> uh, or, or we can start turning our attentions to uh, talking Hawks. I'm just looking forward to that deep playoff run, uh, <laughs> dude. I hope they keep winning too, just for my video's sake. I don't know what I'm going to do in the off season. I'm just saying that Super Bowl parade video is going to be something. <laughs> what uh? What do you think Tom Cable uh, looks like when when he watches your videos? Uh, I hope he's mad. I hope he's. Oh wait, wait, wait! I know what he looks like. He looks like this. He probably looks like this. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I tried to cue you up there, dude. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get this. We'll get this down a little. A little yeah, it's my later. first time. <laughs> um. All right, Jeff. All right, Jeff. You, you got to take us back to it. So, what do we want? What are we going to talk about here? There was it was a that game last week. <laughs> Pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. All the fun from uh, Josh's interview. Now we got to go through that stupid game all over again. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I know Evan was big on the run the table thing. It really seemed like that was possible. And I thought Brian did a great job capturing kind of what happened in that game, the truth about it in his article this week on the, the Monday morning article. It took up a very weird sequence of events for them to lose that game. But 
yeah, Brian said it great. I, I was pissed off watching that. First off, we'll start. We'll give credit to the Niners before we get into the Seahawks stuff. The Niners wanted that game bad. I don't know if it was a Richard Sherman thing. I don't know if it was a blowout a couple weeks ago, but Robert Sally, the defensive coordinator, was jumping on guys on the sideline. He was tackling his players. Mullins played as good as he can. That team played as good as they possibly can, and still it took a weird and stupid sequence of events for the Seahawks to lose. So for me, I, I was mostly frustrated even because the team, even with all their stupid errors and assignment mistakes and the penalties, they still should have won. At San Francisco playing as good as they can, they still should have won and pissed that game away. So I think we're all going to have similar conclusions. But Evan, we'll start with you. You're, you're the fieriest. And what yeah. were your main thoughts coming out of that game? I think after thinking about it for a few days, it feels like a perfect storm of all these bad factors coming together to spell a loss. I completely agree with you. I think the 49ers, that's like the best you'll see them play. And I think for the Seahawks, that's pretty close to some of the worst you'll see them play. I mean, we've definitely seen worse, but with the combination of the penalties and and the bad calls from the refs, we hate talking about bad calls from refs, but that was a pretty poorly you know, called game, especially that Shaq DPI, which was complete garbage in the end. Um, it's the one, so I actually didn't watch the game live. I had to go back and rewatch the entire compressed game. But the one yeah. thing that really stood out to me was – it was like there was a lack of almost like a lack of not killer kind of killer instinct, but like a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of like not positivity, but I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like it's what you said. The Niners wanted it more like the Seahawks. It's like they walked into there and expected that game to be a win. Like they were expected to be handed a win. That's I, discouraging. I, I um, totally agree. Like that, that's really discouraging for me. From a from like a game pre preparing for that game, like I think the coaches need to do a better job of making sure the players understand that no game is a gimme, and it, it just didn't look like they wanted it, it as bad. And I know that's a very surface level observation, but you know, I, the Seahawks are not in the playoffs yet. They play the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, who are one of the best teams in the NFL, and then you play the Cardinals, I believe, at home. You know. You could go. You could lose Sunday night and go into that Cardinals game expecting a win, and it could end up being a disaster. I'm not a. I'm not a negative person. I'm not pessimistic. I think they'll win that game, but I'm just saying they cannot go into these next two games with the same attitude and the same outlook that they did going into San Francisco, or they won't make the playoffs. It's. Uh, I think it was. It was very discouraging, at least for me. Yeah, I think you hit on a good point. I think the energy. That was the word I would use coming out of the San Francisco sideline. That really jumped out to me. And Seattle looked a little monotone. I don't know if monotone is the right word. Maybe lackadaisical. They looked like they were kind of just going through the motions. And that, to me, that was evident all game. And they were sloppy. And on, on the Minnesota game, the one we were kind of raving about, the defense played with such crazy energy. And that just didn't carry over. And... Kyle Shanahan exposed Seattle and some of their weaknesses. And I know Jay Keeps was talking on the radio about how bad Austin Kalitra was in his coverage. He made, apparently they were they said he found like five, six mental errors. But and Heaps is a pretty positive guy too. So Brian, what about you? What what jumped out after going through that article, going through the film and 
I, well, I'll, I'll go to that in a second. Austin Calitro, you want to know his pro football focus grade for that game? Anyone care to guess? 100 being perfect, 60 being like average. 25? 30. 25.2. Jeff nailed it. Dude. That, I didn't realize he was that bad, but Heaps was going on about him on uh, 7th and the uh, other I mean, day. No, I mean, the, the linebacker situation is in is in really bad shape. Um, Archivius Mingo is horrible. Like, he was a guy that was good last year for the Colts, or at least seemed to be, at least average. And he's one of the worst tacklers I have ever seen at the linebacker position. The guy couldn't tackle like his grandmother. Like, it's it's like, yeah. it's it's bad. But I got a couple different takes on that game. So so I 100% agree that the 49ers came out with more energy. I didn't think the Seahawks came out that flat. I think the 49ers really, really were focused on this game. One of the things I said last week heading into this game was I think there was evidence that Kyle Shanahan was finding a rhythm with Nick Mullins and that offense in the second half against the Seahawks, took it into Denver you know, George Kittle went off for over 200 yards receiving, and I think they came out playing reasonably well on offense. So I think I think Mullins played a, a good game. There were not many throws that were, like, bad throws. He just overthrew guys by a couple, you know, uh, feet sometimes. But I, I thought he played well and was pretty decisive in, in getting rid of the ball. What what stood out to me is, look, if if the 49ers, if the only difference in this game was that the 49ers had Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. Like, if, if he was healthy and it was the same roster otherwise, I bet you that the reaction to this loss would be very different. And I bet you that going into it, people would have felt differently about it. I think this 49ers team, when they have decent quarterback play, is not a bad team. And I think they got pretty decent quarterback play in that game. Um, so... Uh, you know, I think we can look at the the record. C.J. Beathard was the quarterback for a lot of those games and played like absolute shit. And and Mullins has played a couple stinkers, but has played mostly well and I think has started to find his rhythm. So I, I thought he played a good game. I think the Seahawks defense really struggled when Bradley McDougal went out. I think that the linebacker play was awful. I think um, – there were just some real challenges there early on and they slipped on the field. The only touchdown the 49ers scored in that game on offense was when Delano Hill or Tedrick Thompson, whoever it was, fell on the, fell on his face and the guys ran into the end zone. Otherwise you're talking about field goals. Like uh, even with all of that, the 49ers offense scored 19 points in that game. Not that bad. Like it's not like it was, I mean, it felt awful it felt so frustrating but it's not that bad so um i don't know like the emotional part of me that really was pissed off that weekend for a lot of other reasons and was really counting on the seahawks to win that goddamn game like they should have won and just like enjoy the weekend i was really annoyed but the rational side of me when i look at that you know I don't know how you can look at Chris Carson's fourth down run and Dwayne Brown's helping and say that the Seahawks weren't trying hard and they weren't like giving their best. And I don't know how you can look at the extra point miss from Sebastian Janikowski and say that's an effort issue or the kickoff return for the touchdown, that that's a 
effort. I don't know. So I just think that that's a very convenient fan reaction when we get frustrated about a team losing to a team with a really bad record. But I thought the 49ers played a pretty good game. And, um, you know, the Seahawks still should have won. And uh, now we have a much, much more challenging end of this season than uh, and anyone that's assuming that Arizona is a gimme hasn't been watching the Seahawks. The 2013 Seahawks lost to the Cardinals in the month of December. Uh, Thank you. So don't assume anything. Um, anyway, so that's – I could go on, but that, that was kind of my reaction to that game. Um, you know, other than that, I would just say I love Chris Carson. Thank God we have Chris Carson. I love watching that guy play. And uh, I, I lied. I also really feel like why the hell didn't they play J.D. McKissick more? I mean, that play in overtime was just a taste of what he can do for that offense that they have no one. Mike Davis cannot do anything like that, anything like that. So I don't know why they refuse to insert one of their most explosive players into the backfield. So I'm hoping that changes. Yeah, you hit on some good points. I think the the three best players on the field in that game were all in the Niners, I believe. I think it was Buckner played a really, really good game. Solomon Thomas played a really good game. And George Kittle was amazing. And on the Seahawks side, there were some big positives that we haven't touched on to come out of that game. Jaron Reed has been an absolute hmm. beast. We haven't given him enough credit on this show. He, he dominated that fourth quarter when the Seahawks probably should have stolen that game and taken over. And Jaron Reed was as good as an interior rusher as I've seen in this whole Pete Carroll era. He was incredible. Doug Baldwin was awesome. Doug's had a season from hell. I can't imagine how hard it's been for him. And this looked like prime 2015 Doug Baldwin. That touchdown he made, that second, both touchdowns were incredible. And he just makes such a difference. We were talking about it the week before, how the intermediate game just completely emptied and how, how he just opens things for other receivers. He was great. Those two were amazing. Carson is another one. Um, on the negative, there were some big negatives for me, and we'll see what Josh's take is. Uh, Brian kind of alluded to a little bit of it. I thought Shoddy was awful. <laughs> I thought Shoddy – well, they had uh, three chances to win the game. Uh, there was the two fourth down drives late, and they're running the ball with no timeouts. And I don't know if that's a Pete thing or a Russell thing, but the one yeah. thing you can I can say with Shoddy – is because it's new this year. It's in the two-minute drills. It's those dump-offs to Mike Davis that eat up all this clock. And because that ever came in the bevel offense. So I don't know if that's a Pete thing. I don't think it's a Russell thing. That is the most inefficient play in a two-minute drill. It's so dumb. And even on some of those holding penalties, like they were running on third and five, and they had three first downs negated in obvious pass situations. I thought that was the most frustrating thing of the whole game. I thought Shoddy just took the game out of Russell's hands in the fourth quarter. How in the world do you give up on third and 14 in a time? How do you do that? Thank you. I am so freaking pissed off about that play. That was actually the climax of the game for me. Third and 15, third and 15, you are backed up in your end zone. Four minutes left in overtime. Your offense has Russell freaking Wilson at the helm, and you throw a running bo- running back dump off to the middle. You give up. You lay over, over the desk, and you let the 49ers take it to you. Are you serious? In the that- Chargers, 
Didn't the Chargers convert like a like a 15, 18-yard third down on us a few weeks ago? They did. They, they did. did. It went for a bit of like easy. It felt like easy. It's how, how do you how do you look how do you look your players in the eye the next day or even on the sideline when you're basically saying I don't believe you can get 14 yards is not like 25 guys and I'm not I'm not a math whiz but I can tell you like 14 yards that's that's 20 percent 18 percent conversion rate like there's zero percent conversion rate for for the types of plays he's calling on that and it's literally the Seahawks have not converted you know anything from that distance so. That really set me off, and he's just been doing that over and over again. So and yeah, so that that's the and the second big negative for me was Ethan Posick at right guard. Oh, oh my god, we haven't talked about him yet, and the holding penalties. Holding oh, penalties. Fix. Yeah, Ethan Posick, man, took two massive plays with, out of the game. That pass to McKissick should have set the team up to win the game, and Posick just looked like a turnstile. That brought back memories of Tom Cable. He, I know he's the third string guard, but I think we were all kind of high on his technician, like his skills as a technician and how he can hold up and pass pro, maybe not so much run game. He got owned by Solomon Thomas. And those were legit holds. I might not have called the one in overtime, but because you can probably find a play like that on every play, but man, Posick single-handedly cost them the game. Josh, are you going to be able to troll like people on the existing team or just like people on the former team? That 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 could kind of hurt your brand. With <laughs> Wait, what do, what do you mean? You realize everybody on Seahawks Twitter wants to see you like completely do a, a whole series on Posick. Uh, oh my god, I am just as pissed off as everyone else. I because wasn't he a second round pick? I think yep. so. Yeah. Oh my god. I think so. Who was it that brought up that uh, who was picked like right after him? Someone brought up Juju. something like Juju on the Steelers. Oh my god! Damn it! <laughs> the problem is he can do that with every draft pick, like yeah, on any team. It's but the fact that he can't even be a third string guard is alarming. Yeah, he came That's in and Tom looked Cable. incompetent as hell. I'm a graffiti Tom Cable's gravestone. I hate that man. Okay, okay, and then I'm going to argue about Tom Cable. But I do – there is a lot of evidence that Ethan Posick was a John Schneider pick. And <laughs> – Oh, boy. I'm telling you this because um, <laughs> uh, Posick was the only offensive lineman that the Seahawks drafted that Cable never visited. And I think that this is the year after uh, Jermaine Effetti in the first round. <laughs> and yeah. – uh, I kind of there's a, a lot of people that believe that Schneider was like I'm done with it, Cable. Like I'm done with your personnel picks on offensive linemen, and he went and made the pick himself. And you can kind of look at Posick and see it. He doesn't look like or seem like a Cable lineman. He's he's doesn't fit the profile. But man, I don't know. Maybe he's playing out of position. Jake Heaps was pretty high on him when he came on. He was talking about him like Steve Hutchison. If you remember? Oh yeah. So one one bad Schneider pick to a million bad Tom Cable well, picks. So. It's true. It's true. I, I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and defend Cable on that one. So yeah, Josh, what about you? Well, we haven't touched. What were your main takeaways from the game? So it's gonna feel out of place because you guys are all very negative about it, even Evan. Um, but I felt like I finished the game. Maybe it was because I had to watch it on Red Zone. 
Um, so I missed like the uh, the post sick hold, although I saw it later. But um, I missed it when I was emotional. Well, some broadcast didn't show it. Oh really? Okay. Um, but I I ended the, I finished the game and I was like, all right, whatever. It's like we played we played a we've already beaten them pretty bad. We showed that we're the better team clearly, and I don't know. Just it just felt like they just didn't show up because they knew that they needed one win left, and they just. I don't know. I just didn't care. Like I felt like they they knew they knew the circumstances of the game, and it felt like you could just feel it watching it. I guess, and I don't know. I just felt like they 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 they're the better. I think they're better than the 49ers. I don't think that's a very bold statement to make, but I don't know. I'm just not worried about them because they sh- they they're going to show up against the Chiefs. I feel like this Seahawks team more than anyone would just show up against the Chiefs, but not against the 49ers. And unless they, if they don't show up against the Chiefs, then I'm going to be really worried. Yeah, that's fair. I think it was just another reminder of just how thin this team's margin for error was. Oh, yeah. And we talked about it all preseason, and they've been playing so well the last four weeks and the last five weeks in the Rams game that you kind of forgot about that. Mm -hmm. But this team still has major talent issues on defense. They're starting three guys who can't tackle. Austin Cletro was torn apart the offense has their share of issues so they're the way and the style they play leads to close games and yeah a lot is asked on russell and in a small amount of passing attempts so and i to think me, that, that was a reminder of that and just like going from kendrick's to calitro yeah the the bad parts of this team showed like the shoddy offensive like play calling i think that like showed we all knew that he can have games like he did and Calitro, we know he's not like a superstar or anything. I think things that we knew already showed and things like Bobby Wagner played well. I think Russell played decent for most part. Like the first few drives he played good. Carson played good. So I think I don't know. I'm not too worried. Did you, did you guys see him running that post route, man? I heard about that. I wish I could have seen it. Holy crap, he was 30 yards downfield and was like running to space. You seriously, he was moving. Uh, Did you see that? No, I didn't see it. You got you gotta find it. I mean it was, it, awesome. it, was, it was pretty impressive. Um but yeah, I mean here here's something that I don't think people appreciate. I didn't really appreciate it until I started getting really annoyed with people on Twitter this week and, and looking up some stats. Uh this was the second game all year that the Seahawks lost when they were favored. Um, the other one was going to be surprised. They lost the Chargers when they were favored by one point at home. Um, but it, by and large, this team is taking care of business. They've beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Um, and they've lost to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's really appreciated by the fan base in general. It wasn't really, it hadn't clicked with me, but We've seen the Seahawks in past years drop games to teams they really just had no business dropping them to, like that were way, way, way below their level. And maybe a couple of games like that in year two or three, this team hasn't really done that. I definitely would not consider that Chargers game like dropping a game they they were supposed to win, um, even if they were favored. That's that's a tough matchup. But this was their first egg that they laid, like all year. Um, I would say the. The Broncos game would qualify as another one for me, but it's a little hard when it's the first game of the season and they were just playing such a different style. Um, since they started playing this style, they've been 
really, really consistent. Like week in, week out, they are pretty much the same team. And I saw, Brian, you were kind of going on a – not a tirade, but this morning on Twitter, I, I, there's, a, there's, a concern, there's a narrative going around, and I, I get where it comes from, that the Seahawks have a tendency to play up to better opponents and down to weaker opponents. And the Pete Carroll era, we've talked about on this show a lot this year how in the past, not so much this season, but they've had very frustrating games against teams they probably should have easily beat and then had to scrape it out in the fourth quarter. What did you come up with? Because you seemed a little irked this morning. Well, I mean, I understand why people feel that way, but I think I think it's a little bit of an illusion. I think that people are – where that's happened before is generally divisional games. Like losing to the Cardinals that were not a good Arizona team or losing to the 49ers that was not a good San Francisco team. Losing to the Rams when the Rams were not a good football team. But they were almost all divisional games. There's some examples of, of them running into trouble against like the Tampa Bay Bucks back in 2013 when they fell behind 20 to nothing. But they won that game. Like there are some examples. But God, I mean, I watched... I've watched the CX footballs for a very long time, longer than either Evan or Josh have lived. And uh, I've seen teams that even Mike Holmgren's team, which I respected a lot, there are games they were on and there are games that they were not and they just didn't bring it. And it was really obvious. It's really hard to tell the difference with Pete Carroll's teams. They come to play pretty much every week. And the evidence is that of the games that the Seahawks have been favored in since 2010, I think it is, yeah, since Pete Carroll started, um, and since games that they were uh, underdogs, they have the third highest winning percentage for both. So, you know, of anyone in the league over that period of time. So when they're favored to win, they win. When they don't, uh, they still have a higher winning percentage than others. And they have the second highest point differential over that period of time. So. I just think that, you know, I think, I, again, I think it's just recency bias. And I think people just start getting frustrated about the game that they just lost. Um, but I, I don't see it. I don't see a team that plays up or down. I see a team that's very consistent. And Evan, you've criticized them for the past. So do you agree with that? Or are you still a little pissed off? with? Them? I'd like to see, like, their blowout percentage, to you know, compared to, like, um, you know, whether they're expected to win or not relative to like other teams, just, I know one component that comes into this is this is, we've talked about this a million times. It's Pete Carroll ball. You know what I mean? To keep things close and, you know, run the football and, you know, not score 57 million points on the opponent. I, I get it. And I like a lot of that. Um, it's just frustrating to watch. Um, yeah. I've got nothing else. It's just frustrating to watch sometimes. It, re it really is. I, Pete Carroll ball is not – I respect Pete a lot. I think he does a lot of things really well, but Pete Carroll football is not always the most enjoyable. Uh, I agree with you. I think I think he uh, – I think it's like even the win games we should win, they're not always pretty, and the games we should lose, uh, they're not pretty too. We Like every game is close which isn't always a good thing. And even when I was talking to uh, Russell's brand guys, um, they were even talking about that. Like the guys who would like, who literally worked for Russell, they were like, yeah, you know how it goes. Like even games where we, uh, we feel like we should lose or we should win. We, they're not pretty too. So 
No, I agree. I agree. I think it's uh I think uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're having too much fun with your, <laughs> your Pete Carroll pictures. Speaking of a Pete ball. Yeah. How about I, the Rams? Oh yeah. What about it? I mean it's it's Jared Goff looking like Jared Goff, man. I want, I want to pat myself on the back for a second. I took a lot of shit like after one of the Seahawks games on Twitter. When I said Jared Goff wasn't that good, I said he was a yeah. product. I said when pressure got around him, he crumbled, and I took a lot of crap. I'm enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> yeah, didn't, I believe in the preseason, you said that this could potentially be like the 2017 Seahawks, but for the Rams. Did you did you say that, or am I mixing you up with somebody else? No, all year I was kind of upset because I thought the Rams were eventually going to crumble. Yeah, and my issue with them is everyone talked about oh they they got the cheap quarterback they're perfectly built, almost everyone they've brought in on that has stunk. Like Sue has been kind of a dud. You know Habib what? It's been hurt. Peters Thank has you. sucked. Thank you. They're their defense is a joke. Yeah, like they poured so much money into that defense and so much capital, and it's bad. It's really bad. I think that could spell the end for them in the playoffs, to be honest. Well, here's the best part is that they really are spending like win this year or bust. If yeah. they if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, I don't think there's a lot of reason to expect they're going to win it next year. And you could make a pretty decent case. I mean, their, their offensive line, which is a strength of theirs, they've got a lot of old guys on that line, or at least their best player is really old. I don't know how many, how much more time or how many years they're going to sign him for. And I think there's a case to be made that the 49ers actually may be in better shape to, to be a contender next year than the Rams. I, I think depending on how things play out, especially with the pick they're going to get, the reason that they – are so bad is because they've lost their quarterback so early. They're getting him back next year and they're going to potentially have the number one overall pick or number two or something like that. I mean, so are, are we sure Jimmy Garoppolo is even good? <laughs> he's all right. We don't know. We don't know. I think he's better than Jared Goff. True. Okay. Actually, I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we agree, Brian. And I that. think Kyle Shanahan is, Right up there with Sean McVay. I think Thank because he, they've been having such a bad record, everyone's down on him. But I think that guy is a brilliant offensive coach. So I have a question for you, Brian. Is Pete Carroll the third best head coach? I was just about to ask that. No, he's the best of the three. Uh, uh, he's the best in the division by far. Better than Sean McVay? Absolutely. What are you basing this on? What is Sean? How many playoff games has Sean McVay won? Hasn't brought hasn't Sean McVay been a head coach for like one year? Like <laughs> one and a half years. Yeah. So so you can't you can't bring the historical argument into it because he's been assistant coaches, right? He's, well, so, he's then, so then the, the same argument applies, Evan. So doesn't he have to prove that he's good? He hasn't proven anything yet. No, I, I and, and that's a fair take, actually. I, I wasn't really basing it on like historical accomplishments, but like right now, like, you know. Take the same team. Do you want Pete Carroll or Sean McVay presiding over your team right now? Um, Pete Carroll. Yeah. I, look, this is going to be a rehash of similar things we've had before. <laughs> we won't follow totally this. But I don't think that there's almost any coach in the NFL that would have 
more wins with this Seahawks roster than Pete Carroll has had with this roster. And that's not because I think Pete Carroll's the best coach in the NFL or anything like that. This roster's built for Pete Carroll and it's built the way he wants to play. Um, I also happen to think that, that, uh, the Seahawks can absolutely get a better offense coordinator than Brian Schottenheimer, hundred percent. Um, would never argue that, but I think people just keep forgetting the fact that like Drew Brees has Sean Payton. Um, they were a great pair. He's a brilliant offensive mind. One of the best, uh, quarterbacks to ever play. And the years that they didn't have a running game and a defense, they were shit. They were terrible. So because they had Jimmy Grant, you tell me right now, are there more teams in the NFL that are having an easier time building a powerful offense or more teams in the NFL having an easier time building a good defense? The answer is offense. Everybody's finding a way to build a, a good offense. So give me a defensive coach, give me an advantage of figuring out some way to slow down those offenses and figure out how to, a way to be a decent offense. And to be honest, the Seahawks offense has been pretty decent this year. Like they had scored 27 or more points in like eight of nine games or something like that. And we're averaging like over 30 points a game. And anyway, so I, I just, I just think people like, they like the flavor of the month. And, and when Sean McVay's won a couple couple Super Bowls, then, then I'll feel differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wade Phillips is a defensive coordinator and they still have a terrible defense. That's a fair point. Just saying. Yeah. We, 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 it's, we overlook a lot of what head coaches do and I'm, but I don't want to revisit old fires and get you two going at it. So <laughs> we'll save that for another day. We'll save that for another day. We can do a whole episode on that. Can, can we talk about stuff before you go? Can we talk about? I want to talk about right guard. I know well, that was my happen. that was my next transition. Okay, actually, I'm really interested in what's going to happen there. So yeah, there were some very obvious news and notes of the week. And if you saw the Seahawks injury report today and yesterday, you might be running somewhere very far away. Because that looks bad. And obviously, we talked about Posick earlier. Jordan Simmons coming out of that game, he's done for the season. I'm not sure what the injury was exactly, but he was placed on injured reserve. It doesn't seem like DJ Fluker is going to be ready to go for Sunday. You can't go Ethan Posick at right guard, can you, Brian? Please don't. Josh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, how about you, Josh? Anyone but Posick. Throw What's like right? a... Throw Michael Dixon in there before posting. <laughs> you want you want a little uh, Joey Hunt in there? You want the flowing lock? Sure. The sh- the, the shortest guy on the team. Yeah, Joey Hunt. Put him in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I came out um, after the game and and put something out there, and, and I think that there's some evidence that it might actually turn out to be the way they go, which I would be thrilled at, and that is. Um, Simmons is out for the year. We know that. Um, Fluker, I think, is unlikely to play. Postic's a disaster. Well, there's a guy that's on your team that played right guard as a rookie two years ago and is actually probably better suited to guard. Uh, his name's Jermaine Effetti. Um, you have guy in George Fant, who has been playing tight end most of this year, but has actually been arguably your second or third best uh, uh, offensive lineman. Um and then uh, also because Fant has been playing essentially tight end outside of Effetti, they've already kind of been a tackle guard combination. 
um, and the way they've been used in the offense. So I'm all about sliding a Fetty inside to right guard, playing fan at right tackle. And here's the thing, guys. If that plays out, one, I think that that's that's your most talented combination there, um, other than maybe a fluker comes in. And two, that could be not just a short-term thing. That could be a glimpse of the next five years at that part of the line, um, if they can figure it out. I actually really think Afedi could be a much better guard than he is a tackle. And I think Fant could be a much better tackle than Afedi is as a tackle. So I'm looking for any and all ways to get George Fant in at right tackle. And I think there's a chance we might see it for the first time this week. So is that just a solution until Fluker gets back? Or when Fluker gets back, does Fant stay at right tackle? What do you think, Evan? Well, I, I'm just super in that, – that is kind of a problem because I think DJ Fluker has played really well this season, and I think he's somebody the Seahawks should absolutely extend. He's on that one-year deal for like 600 k Great signing by John Schneider, by the way. Um, but uh, I'm super curious to see how Ifedi performs under Mike Solari at right guard. Because yeah, I don't like think- is back. Because, oh, yeah. I, God, I can never say his name correctly. He still doesn't kind of deserve it. He's still not that good. But um, <laughs> but seriously, I don't think he's had an opportunity to play at right guard since Solari has come in. Um, it could be interesting. He could end up playing really well because didn't they draft him to play right guard? Like, wasn't that the original intention? And then right tackle was just like, oh, for some stupid reason, we're going to put this guy with slow hips and not very good awareness alone in space, and it ended up being a disaster on, under Tom Cable, but, it, but it's been okay under Mike Solari. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see have him slide back in there. You know, it, it could ob- obviously be an issue, though, with DJ Fluker and Jordan Simmons both being pretty good at that position for this team, but I guess more competition is better. Yeah, I mean, like, Fetty played right guard and was crappy as a right guard. Like yeah. he was, um, he's also was really crappy at right tackle and he has not had Mike Solari as a coach until this year. So I like, I like the idea of him getting some, some tutelage under Solari at that position. Let's see how he looks. Um, and the guys, I mean, those two, by the way, are best buds. Like whenever I see them in the off season, like whenever I see one of them in the off, they are always together and they are just massive, massive humans. Um, like I'm always struck by how big they are. And so I don't know. I, I would be really excited to see that. This would be a really interesting test this week, given uh, some of the pass rushers coming in for, for uh, the chiefs. Um, I think George Fant, you know, if the word, <laughs> if it turned out that George Fant becomes right tackle and DJ Fluker pushes a to the bench and a becomes, you know, I would be okay with that. So in that case, does that eliminate the George Fant package, or does another lineman take on that role? Yeah, I heard a lot of people like, "Oh, but Fant's been so key to the run game as a tight end," and like, I love George Fant at tight end; it's fun. But let's be real. I mean, it, it works for a few reasons. It works because he's way bigger than the average tight end, so he's blocking smaller players like that aren't able to deal with with what typically is a tight end. Ethan Posick is also much bigger than the normal tight end. So is, you know, um, you know, anyone else they decide to bring off the bench to they could put Jordan Roos there, you know, um, practice squad guard and put him there. There's other options um, that they could put there that all be bigger or they could do something crazy and like 
play an actual tight end like Nick Bennett and maybe have the chance that someone could really be out in a pattern. And yeah, so I mean, maybe we'll find out that they don't need the extra tight end to run the ball effectively when they have those two in there together. That could be a possibility. So I'm, I'm not as worried about the extra, you know, the jumbo package ever since they had back in 2013, second half of the NFC championship game. It was, what's his name? Anthony Bailey or Alvin Bailey. Alvin yeah. Bailey. Yeah. Oh. Like, you stick some fat guy out there. they will block somebody. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So um, next thing on the injury list was Bradley McDougal. Mm. It seems like his knees, he was a little weird about his status this week. They've had they sent some guys to that. I don't know how to pronounce the word, but again, that treatment on the knee. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, but so McDougal, his status is up in the air. While KJ seems like he's going to be back in starting this week. He's been practicing this week. If McDougal doesn't play against this offense, how worried should we be? with Delano Hill and Tedrick Thompson, who also hasn't been practicing as your safeties. Evan, you look dumbfounded, so we'll start with you. I'll answer for you. Yeah. I expect 50 plus points by the Chiefs. And I'm not and I'm not kidding. This this safety group without Bradley McDougal is a problem. We have not mentioned how poorly. I don't want to overstate this. Tedrick Thompson has not had a good year. Like he was no, overstate it, please. He's a piece of shit. You cut Tedrick Thompson. I'm tired of him. He was so overhyped in preseason. He was so overhyped. Do you remember all the coaches and all the players being like, oh, this guy's going to take, you know, he's going to take the, the reins this year. He's going to be the season's MVP breakout candidate. Tedrick Thompson. Bullshit. Tedrick Thompson has done nothing. Tedrick Thompson should not be a starter. He is the one thing that annoys me the absolute most about Tedrick Thompson, and it's specifically in relation to the position he plays, obviously. Free safety. You have to be able to tackle well. Tedrick Thompson is such a bad tackler. Like, such a bad tackler. Me, myself, 30 pounds overweight, have a better chance of tackling one of those NFL players, and I have a better chance of taking a better angle than Tedrick Thompson. That's how bad at tack tackling Tedrick Thompson is. I'm done with Tedrick Thompson. I'm done with it. I, 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 think, I think if Bradley McDougal is healthy, I think Bradley McDougal should be playing free safety, and I think Delano Hill should be playing strong safety. I, I think I'd rather have Delano Hill on the field than Tedrick. I, I really do. I, am, I don't even know what the question was. I, I'm, I'm just done with Tedrick. Hey, man. I'm with you, man. He, I'm done. I'm done. He is not, he is not even a replacement-level player. I was so I was so hoping that I was just completely wrong about him, and that like KJ Wright. I don't know if people remember, but like they have a driving with G segment, G Scott uh, that they do, and they were doing it in the preseason. And he was asking them, KJ, who's who's the guy that you're picking to break out this year? And he went, KJ went on and on about Tedrick Thompson. He's like, I've been telling you guys about 33 and since last year, and. He's making every play in practice and picking the ball off every time. I should be a GM when I'm done because I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I was like, okay, KJ knows what he's talking about. I should have some more hope. And uh, I don't have more hope. I have, I have no hope at this point. Um, the guy's really 
he's had no shortage of chances this year and he has just not brought it. He's he is honestly the place where he's been worst has been in run defense. And the amount of plays that have broken out for explosive rushes because he is too slow to and too poor of a tackler to bring the guy down in space. It's just uh it's unfortunate. And and I hope I hope that John Schneider like looks at what he did in that draft and realizes where he went wrong. Like they used to draft players specifically because they had a really elite trait. They were the fastest at something. They were the tallest. They were the biggest. They were the strongest. Something like even like Jameson Kant's back in the day, like was like some insane athlete. You know, they didn't know what to do with him, but he was an insane athlete. Tedrick Thompson is not an insane athlete in any way, shape or form. And I just think that it's a high risk thing when you pick a guy who's not a great athlete and hope that he can stand out in an NFL, which is full of crazy athletes. So uh, I, I just, if nothing else, I hope that, that we don't have to see another, another pick like that. Um, and I hope they learn a lesson. Yeah. I couldn't agree with Evan Moore about Tedrick. He does. I don't see what he does well. And you, yeah, Brian, you hit on that. They hyped his ball skills up as his elite trait. I think he had very good interception numbers in at Colorado. Yes, and one this year, right? He is so slow at diagnosing plays, and he's a terrible tackler. If you combine like him, Justin Coleman, and Mingo's tackling this year, it's got to be like eighty percent of their missed tackles, maybe ninety. He's god awful. He's shit. I. I couldn't agree more with Evan on that one. He's hard to watch. And just watching Earl all those years, you really do. Uh, you just forgot about how, whatever, Steven, uh, not Steven Terrell. Everyone hyped up Tedrick as the next guy. And I was kind of ex excited to see how he would do. I was nervous about him. But that's one thing Seahawks Twitter, which can be a very, very negative place and very tough sometimes. They nailed this one. How many people wanted George Kittle at that pick? And they yeah. took Tedrick Thompson. <laughs> Josh, I want you to know, dude, that when Tedrick, people in the chat are saying that Tedrick's going to have three picks this week because we're talking so much shit, that uh, you were highly encouraged to use all right. of the footage and make us look stupid. I would be thrilled. <laughs> I know. Thrilled to be uh, this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Josh, we'll start with you on this next point. The Pro Bowl came out this week. Oh God! And the Pro Bowl is a stupid event. I don't. I we're all fans here. I fans should have no yeah. part in voting at all. Yeah. But Josh, I mentioned you because Russell Wilson and you are best friends. <laughs> Russell Wilson did not make the Pro Bowl. He's one of the highest players ranking in touchdown passes, having one of the best years of his career. And Aaron Rodgers did. I, I know you probably saw Colin Coward's ran on this. It's probably perfect yeah. for your video. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this something worth getting worked up about anymore? Or is it just... Well, everyone, everyone says that you shouldn't uh, care about Pro Bowl. Like, it's like, because it doesn't matter. It's just a game. It's just a, a random thing. But the players care about it. And it... Uh, it uh, Brings in it doesn't it doesn't don't they get cash for like actual money from thank, if they get in? Thank you, Josh. Thank you for bringing that up because I was going to bring that up. What blows my mind about the Pro Bowl 
is many players' contracts have incentives tied to making yeah. approval. Like to me, that blows my mind. Like, yeah. why do players agree to that? <laughs> like, okay, all pro, different story. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Credible, like actually legit. But Pro Bowl is purely a popularity cop. Yeah. Con- it's whatever the fans are feeling whatever month. I have no idea. Like, for example, Sherman's salary, actually, his contract pretty significantly adjusted for the next couple of years. It was like a couple million or two um, based off his, off of him not making the Pro Bowl. I have no idea why players tie it to. to yeah. uh, KJ Wright made it this year. Like, I don't so even remember the last time I saw him on the field. He, he even laughed about it. He said he was saying how dumb it was. He's <laughs> right an alternate. He's played what two games this year, and he's been injured. And yeah, and he hasn't even played amazing. He didn't even play that amazing in this. Um, well, here's, here's the argument for KJ, dude. Have you seen how bad the Seahawks defense has been with <laughs> Kalicho? Like, That's I mean, it's like people are like Jesus. If 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 that's what the defense looks like without him, how really good is he? So Doug should take it then. I, I'm really curious to see. I, it sounds like he's going to play this week. By the way, so I'm interested to see. Uh, he says he's he's finally back to full health. So that would be nice to see. Maybe he can play like a pro bowler. We're not we're not talking about the injury to our star running back Rashad Penny. Why are we not discussing this? That was next on my list. One at a time. One at a time. (laughs) Before that, we need to talk about the best Seahawks draft pick this year. Michael Dixon making the Pro Bowl. I think the chief special teams coach, who's like the most highly highly regarded special teams coach, is always up for these head coaching jobs. He called his foot a magician today. (laughs) Too bad Nathan's not here because Nathan hated that draft pick. <laughs> of course, but, Brian. We'll give you the we'll give you the floor on this one. Michael uh, Dixon, Pro Bowl, go. I, I mean, this is just great because I know how much Ben Baldwin and and uh, Nathan loved this pick from the get go. But like, fuck the Broncos and their and their front office for laughing yeah. when the Seahawks made this trade up to get <laughs> Dixon, like. Dixon is, I would say, the third or fourth best defensive player on the Seahawks this year. Like, legitimately. Like, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Bradley McDougal, Bobby Wagner, and then I'd probably go Michael Dixon. Like, uh, the guy's been, I think, over 300 yards difference in field position this year. One player. One player has been worth that much of a difference in terms of field position. And this defense has needed every freaking blade of grass between them and the end zone um, this season. I think this team would (laughs) – I think you could argue this team would have at least one less win and maybe two less wins if they had the same punting performance they had last year and this defense trying to to, to keep people out of the end zone. So, um, you know – I. Some of it's tongue-in-cheek, but I absolutely – when I saw him play in college, I was like, this guy's different, and he's the, he's the type of guy that's worth um, trading for. And I absolutely believe – like, people can say it's hyperbole and crazy. I think he can be the best to ever play. And if you can get in any draft the best player to ever play that position, it's a good freaking pick. I don't care what people say about value of punters in the draft. That is a 
I think he can be the best to ever play. Then can we stop hating on the Rashad Penny pick? <laughs> what does one have to do with another? They're isolation, dude. <laughs> I thought Rashad Penny has a chance to be the greatest ever. Of the what? <laughs> greatest ever, like what? Of all running backs. Uh, he has a chance to be the greatest 27th pick in the 2018 draft. <laughs> I think that's about as, as high of a bar as I can give him. It's why we lost last Sunday. He wasn't oh, alive. God. <laughs> we had 160 yards rushing. What do you mean? He has explosive plays every single game he plays, and you know it, Brian. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to leave this alone. I know where you're going. <laughs> um, you, all seriousness, though, should we be worried about Penny? They signed Bo Scarborough. I saw a couple of you guys uniquely excited about that pickup. I don't think it matters if Penny plays or not. I honestly don't. The Seahawks give Chris Carson more carries, and he's twice the player Penny is. And, um, you know, yes, I think Penny is better than Mike Davis. I'd rather Penny be getting carries than Mike Davis for sure. But, yeah, I don't think that's what wins or loses this, the, the game for the Seahawks at this point. Um, I know Evan does, but you can, you can pull out your youth XL Penny jersey, dude, and knock uh, <laughs> that on Sunday. <laughs> God damn it. It fits well, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I actually really like Bo Scarborough, and I'm, I'm a little bit, like, hesitant to come out and say that because I'm like, well, he, he's not really catching on anywhere or doing anything, so maybe I was just, like, way off. But the guy's, like, crazy athlete, and he ran over the Huskies and through the Huskies in that game. Like, I was like – Guy looks like an athlete, and if you give him a, a hole to run through, he looks like he can he can hit it pretty well. So I wouldn't mind seeing him get a few reps. He fits that Deion Jordan role where you just want to see him in the uniform. You don't even care how he plays. You just want to see him in the Seahawks blue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he might even be worth a jersey, Evan. <laughs> but, but, Jeff, we've spent all this time talking about draft picks. We have not talked about maybe the maybe the best first year player, the best rookie on the team. Maybe he's in the conversation. Jacob Martin? No. <laughs> he wasn't actually even drafted. This guy. Oh, okay. I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> Do you know? I'm going to double check before I say this. Oh, I was about to scream his name. <laughs> Puna. Yeah. Not, sorry, hotel neighbors. <laughs> uh, who? Okay, top three pro football focus rated defenders on the Seahawks for the season. Who's number one? Bobby. Bobby Wagner. That is correct. That is why you're a legend. Uh, <laughs> he has a 92 rating. Anything above 90 is elite. Okay. Number two is a trick one. Bradley McDougal. Can read? Nope. Frank. Frank, is that what you said? Yeah. Nope. <clears throat> I will tell you that he uh, he no longer plays for the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Earl Thomas, ninety-one point three. So. Yeah, sucks not having him. Um, number three, 
Do you want to say his name again there, Evan? Puna. That's right. Puna Ford. 89.6 rating by Pro Football Focus. He is like one of the top-rated interior linemen in the entire NFL um, from Pro Football Focus. And he has had a sneaky good season. The guy's 5'10", like has arms that drag on the ground. Like he's got super long arms. And he's slowly but surely earning more snaps. I mean, you kind of, you, I'm really interested to see him play with Jaron Reed. If that's something that they're going to start doing more often. Cause Jaron Reed is Jesus. That guy's on the way to having potentially 10 sacks this season, a defensive tackle. I don't think I ever expected him to, to get to that point. And I think the only other guys, you know, that have gotten 10 sacks on the interior line for the Seahawks have been, um, John Randall and uh, Cortez Kennedy. I think those are the only two defensive tackles to ever record 10 sacks. You kind of count Michael Bennett, but he played end-to-end tackle, so it's a little bit different. So, I don't know. I, I think Puna Ford deserves some attention and, and definitely some more playing time. Yeah, one of the frustrating things for me is that Puna – the snaps, maybe they're just trying to manage him as a rookie, but I think Shamar Stefan has been getting so many snaps over Puna and Naz Jones. Shamar Stefan's like a blow replacement level player, and the run defense hasn't been great all year. If you were to just type in Puna's name on Twitter, the kind of highlights you can see just from the last game where he just burst into the backfield, and I think there was two plays where he just showed crazy athleticism and I just know the national media is kind of picking up on him now and just saying like, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. He didn't get drafted. And it's, it's, it's like another Doug Baldwin where they just overlook one quality about him. And this guy's playing. Yeah. PFF has him their 12th best interior player in the whole league. That's on minimum snaps. And I know they were very high on Dean Jordan last year. So take that with a grain of salt, but just, I think Puna made two of the more impressive plays I've seen all year from a defensive tackle. Just the way he blew up that play in overtime before that god-awful Shaq Griffin penalty. And he looks like a like a quality player. And to get that as a first-year player undrafted, this team needed that so bad. Yeah, I think he's the only defensive lineman in the NFL under six feet tall. And as a fellow short dude, I love him for it. He's doing the belly dance now. He's got these, like, they're calling him Little Me Bane. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see. We've been, you know, Schneider found another undrafted. You know, he seems to do it every year. And people talk about his draft drafts all the time. But you look at his undrafted, he's, he's continually found, found uh, diamonds in the rough. Hey, we've got about 15 minutes uh, left. Um, I feel like we talk about the Chiefs game a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, how are you guys feeling? Josh, like, how are you feeling heading into this game? Well, I was apparently unfazed by that 49er game. I feel like it didn't even happen. So um, I think we're going to honestly, I don't know if we're going to win, but I do think it's going to be like a Rams kind of game where we – uh, we proved that we are like we can go toe to toe with them. They're probably gonna, they're obviously gonna put up a lot of points, and I think uh, we're gonna put up a lot of points. But because um, I know their defense isn't very good, but um, 
Yeah, I think we're going to play well. I don't think we're going to win, but I think we're going to actually play well. We're going to surprise people. People are going to get bring back their hope. The hope never left. <laughs> yes. are beating the Chiefs. Let me tell you this right now on Sunday Night Football. Because Pete Carroll teams play down to their opponent, Brian. Yes. They play up to their opponent. And that's why they're beating the Chiefs on Sunday night. I think the number one key to Sunday night, and I'm not even going to let Brian interject there, is the secondary. Bradley McDougald has to play. Tedrick Thompson has to have a good game. Shaq has to play well. Trey Flowers has to play well. Patrick Mahomes versus that secondary is going to be, I think, the matchup of the game. I think I think Shaq, who has had a really an inconsistent year, has to play well for this team to win. Um, I actually, believe it or not, have more faith in Trey Flowers than I do Shaq Griffin right now. And that's a very weird thing to say. But one player, we honestly we talked about him, but we should hype him up even more. Trey Flowers has had a really good year. A really good year for a sixth rounder, fifth rounder, something like that. That's impressive. He's a, he's a starting level corner, and I think, uh, God, one thing that really impresses me about him actually is his run defending ability. That's a complete random note. But, um, yeah, I think the secondary versus Mahomes is going to be the matchup of the game to watch. Do you guys realize that there is a decent chance that both Tedrick Thompson and Bradley McDougal will not play in this game? Is Tedrick hurt? Oh, yeah. With what? An injury. <laughs> i don't know i can look it up if you really want me to but he's been on the injury report and uh uh i'll look it up real quick had too many matador nachos over the weekend oh man what are we we gotta we gotta send you out in style uh before you leave we gotta do that um uh tedrick thompson chest slash ankle so apparently his chest is attached to his ankle somehow that does not sound good that sounds like that could be really a big problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he's out, how do you guys feel about Shalom Luani and uh, Delano Hill um, against uh, Patrick Mahomes, dude? That's going to be tough. I will agree with you 100%. Trey Flowers played a really nice game against San Francisco, and I think he's he's improving. He's improving. He's making nice plays on the ball, like – I'm feeling better about him. And uh, I think KJ, if he plays, I think helps. I think for sure, because anything's going to be better than what the linebacker play we've seen. But um, I think Kareem Hunt not being there, no matter what anyone says about running backs not mattering, the Chiefs actually are a less explosive offense since Kareem Hunt um, left. That's true um, by the numbers. So – I think the Chiefs are going to score. I think the Seahawks in general struggle when the other team scores a lot. But um, I've got the Seahawks winning this game. Uh, I think I, I think the Seahawks, if you look at the way that the Chiefs played at home against Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, um, the Ravens ran it down their throats and controlled the ball and, and slowed down the offense because they didn't have the ball as much. And – of course, the Ravens had a much better defense, but I like the Seahawks' chances in prime time with our pass rushers and um, our our running game um, uh, against this team. So I think Patrick Mahomes is going to make a couple mistakes, and I think the Seahawks get a win. I'm going to say like 
Wow. I think the Rams games are a good comparison because they're kind of built in a similar sense that their defense really is pretty bad outside of a few playmaking pass rushers. They're very bad against the run. They're very bad against the pass. So Seattle could, what did they run for, 274 yards on the Rams? I think they can have a similar kind of game, assuming the right guard position isn't a disaster. But those Rams games also showed how great offenses could just pick apart this defense. And Tyreek Hill and his speed against our corners with no safeties, and Travis Kelsey, who's a better version of George Kittle, those two scare the shit out of me. And, yeah, I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to need to be superhuman or you're going to need to just run to keep them off the boards, but they're going to need to do a good job against those guys because Andy Reid's offense has had success against this scheme in the past. Those playmakers are awesome. The speed of Tyreek Hill is like no one else in terms of his speed, and Kelsey's a beast, and he's fast, and he's a better player than Kittle. So they're going to need to do something defensively, and that you're right. It's going to be on the pass rushers. They're going to need those guys to take over the game, or else I think it's going to be a similar close game to those Rams games. But right now, my gut says a close loss. So, how many yards is Chris Carson going to run for against the worst run defense in the NFL? 150. Oh, I was going to say 150 also. That takes him over 1,000 for the season. Um, dude's had quite a year. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, you know, I, I think the the Seahawks are rightfully not favored. I think the Chiefs are have been one of the top three teams in the NFL all year, no doubt about it. Their offensive unit, generally, you guys know, hopefully, my my rule of who I think is going to win a Super Bowl every year is whoever has the most dominant unit, um, whether it's an offense or a defense. That is usually the one that wins wins it all. You could argue the Chiefs' offense has been the most dominant one side of the ball throughout the NFL this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it sets up well for the Seahawks. I think they'll play well. If they don't, my uh, consolation prize is that uh, Jeff and I get to be right, uh, hopefully, about the Seahawks' win total on the season when Evan will be wrong after gloating. Uh, so actually, on that note, Brian, um, I'm going to steer this in a little bit of a different direction. Number one, the Chiefs are going to lose to the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. And when they do, Brian, you are actually going to celebrate at Daniel's Broiler next week because the whole team has chipped in to purchase a $250 gift card for you and your wife to Daniel's Broiler. One thing that all the audience members don't know is that you do – well, maybe they do know. You do a ton of work for the entire team. You do a ton of work to run the, run the site, do all your wonderful tweeting, you know, tweeting bullshit stuff at me. We love you for it. Um, but you do a ton of work. We're super grateful for you. So just know we're giving you that gift card next week. You'll get that to, you know, enjoy. Oh my God. That's amazing. That, yeah. is, that is so, uh, so not necessary, but that makes it all the more appreciated. So it was actually, I believe it may have been Nathan's idea or yeah. Jeff. I'm not sure. I'm just the one to announce it. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Thank you guys. As, uh, it's not going to help my um, my fitness goals, um, but I, it's going to help my uh, happiness. That's what New Year's resolutions are for. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, let's definitely figure out if we can get the Matador Nacho thing figured out as well. Uh, Got to get Evan sent off the the proper way for for folks that don't know. He's moving to Arizona with his lovely bride. So uh, that will not be a public event. Although I try to get Evan to be a little bit more. Uh, public but uh if you haven't already make sure you're sending good wishes uh evan and, and alex's way um what haven't we covered guys what's left can we okay can we quickly talk about the sebastian janikowski missed tackle i'm a yeah. little bit uh, yeah. I, I didn't really see that I, like i saw him running by him and not really i just guess i don't really think about kickers ever really making tackles other than steven hauschka who's like a boss but he didn't even try. He didn't even try. Yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, how angry are you about that? Like Ted being super angry? Yeah. Probably like an eight. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he was the last line of defense, and if he had put in maybe like two percent of effort, would have been seven less points. But no, Brian or whatever's Janikowski, whatever his name is, 42 years old and 400 pounds overweight, just ran into the sidelines onto the bench and didn't give a shit. He had given 2% 2 of effort. Would have been seven less points. He cost the Seahawks eight points on Sunday. I'm not happy with him. I, I don't have much to say because I just don't – I don't really give a shit about what kickers do uh, on and when they're tackling. Like, I'm much more annoyed with the fact that Brian Schneider is should have been replaced as special teams coach when they replaced everybody else. And this whole ridiculousness of kicking it short because they think that they can cover well enough to get the guy down at the 20 instead of taking a touchback and get him at the 25. That's what cost him the seven points. Kick the ball in the goddamn end zone. Like, every, it's not a hard thing to do. Janikowski can do it. He did it the rest of the game just fine once they decided to do that. But it's a perfect example of outthinking. Like, and overthinking. Just kick the ball out of the end zone and play play football. That's my take. Michael yeah. Dixon would have made that tackle. Thank you. You're right. Do you remember his like he did like that Spider-Man like like <laughs> jujitsu like spun around tackle? Who was that against? Like he like jumped on him like all fours. You can't with his leg, can you just kick it out the back of the end zone every time? I don't know, right? Yeah, I don't know. That was that was super annoying. They also kind of wasted Dixon's punts. That pissed me off. Also, they pinned them uh, inside the one twice. Yeah, it, didn't do anything with it. Is it just me, or even back when the Seahawks defense was really, really good? Could they they never can get a three and out after they pin a guy back? Pin a yeah. team. They always seem to let people out of the end zone. Yeah. Thanks, Pete Carroll. Uh, okay. I guess we forgot what we were wrong about. Um, what we were wrong about. We've time for that. That one might take a while. Yeah, yeah we could do this pretty quick. I think I was wrong about running the table. Yeah, <laughs> in a row. Congratulations, Evan. I was wrong about Ethan Posick being a decent third string guard. I like. I was like. When he came in, I wasn't that nervous. I was like, all right, he's not the greatest, you know, he's not the strongest, but he's 
he held up actually decently in pass protection earlier this year. He just was not a strong run blocker. So I was like, oh, he'll be fine. He was awful. Like, awful, awful. So I was definitely wrong about that. I'd say I was wrong about the 49ers in general. They looked like a, like a hopeless team when they played in Seattle. They looked like a team that had quit on the season. Other than Mullins, who's got most of his yards in garbage time, they looked like a team just who had given up. And just watching that post-game stuff with Sherman and all those guys jumping around, I didn't see that coming. And the schedule's dumb to have them play twice in three weeks. But I, I thought the Seahawks would roll them. I was wrong about that. I got a double dip on what I was wrong, and then I'll let you go, Josh, and, and you can give your what you were wrong about. But this is a uh, this is a uh, well, I'll just say it. So I was wrong. I actually previewed the Seahawks 49ers game in Seattle and thought that that was going to be a much closer game than anyone expected, and had all the reasons why it was going to be a tough matchup and why the 49ers matched up well with the Seahawks, <laughs> and then they blew them out. And I, I was like, I must have just been way off. Everything I wrote like, is what came true in the second game. So I was wrong in which game I wrote that preview for because I didn't write a preview for this game. So stupid me. Um, so you guys don't see what I have thought about because I don't. it's my first podcast. But um, I was super, super, super into Dion Jordan. I thought he was going to be like – because he was so good at the end of last year. He was like mm-hmm. that one play against the Cardinals where he just oh, rush. Yeah, oh my god. Just that one play got me so hyped for the next year. And he has been like I haven't seen hardly anything from him all year. And I, I'm like super because he looks like he just just looking at him, he looks like he could be a like a Hall of Famer, but he's done nothing. Yeah, he's a duck. So I mean <laughs> Will's not on this week to defend him, but that's probably part of what's going on there. Yeah. So, hey, fellas. Um, Josh, it was great having you on, man. It was great. Like, this is our first chance meeting you uh, in person other than on Twitter. It's great yeah. to see you. Like, your story has been awesome to watch. It's going to be awesome to continue. We want updates on how uh, your Super Smash Bros. game goes with Russell. Oh, yeah. That's going to uh, be all over Twitter when it happens. He said he's going to stream it there. So. We'll be able to you'll be able to see it when it happens. So you'll know when it happens. That'll be awesome. Um, And Evan and the fellows, thank you so much for the gift. That's really thoughtful. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will cancel the the order of the Tom Cable jersey that I have for you. (laughs) I'll get you something that you actually want now. So uh, uh, thank you. Solari jersey. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, it's been fun. Um, we're going to wrap it there. And, man, it's going to be a fun game on Sunday. You know, whatever happens, it's freaking December, week 16, and the Seahawks are playing for something. I did not expect that this year. This team has been way more fun than I expected. Whoever is out there, it's going to be a great, great night. So uh, uh, enjoy. And uh, if we don't talk to you until uh, after the the Christmas celebration, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas that's celebrating it. Cheers and go Hawks. <laughs>